0: Welcome to the Stewardship Matters podcast of William F. Robertson and Associates, where we explore where your faith and your finances intersect. As financial planners, we understand the importance of money. As Christians, we believe God has more for us. Please join your host, Richard Truitt, as we continue on this journey together.
1: It's Richard Truitt again, and I'm uh, here with Bill Robertson. Also, again, we're going to um, uh, continue our discussion on our stewardship coaching uh, program that, you know, we spent, I guess, the first nine Podcasts were uh, the about Sabbath, Sabbath Economics, which undergirds our uh, stewardship program. And then I've interviewed some pastors since then, and will continue to do that. But I thought that we would circle back around and speak more to the total process of of Sabbath, uh, stewardship coaching because it's, it's more than a sum of its parts. And uh, as Bill Robertson has consented to 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 say how I expected his life. And, um, I think it'll be useful to, to bring more, to round out more. It's, it's kind of a nebulous topic when you agree it's hard to, to, to get your arms around, but Bill, do you want to say a little bit about your journey through this yes. process?
0: Yes. Um, it's really, a lot of it has been unexpected and, um, before we start engaging in this process of stewardship coaching and Sabbath economics, I had been exposed to Dallas Willard. And uh, Dallas Willard really had had a profound effect on me in, in the way that Dallas Willard uh, talked about the idea how we continue to try uh, to be good and to, and to do good things. And then when we fail... Uh, we say, um, I'm going to try harder. Try harder. Well, most of my life has been characterized by trying harder. because It seems like I just try harder and try harder. But Dallas Willard began to show me that it's not trying harder, but it's training. Um,
1: What do you mean by that? Well,
0: well, if you're a disciple, Uh what Jesus was doing, he was training his disciples. And so... It was a process, so to speak, of introducing to them the principles of the kingdom and uh, the type of person that an individual should begin to become inside.
1: Was it like it's not so much telling them what to do, but helping walk alongside them? To, or
0: Walk alongside them and uh, make them mindful of things that they can do in terms of uh, examining themselves. Okay. You know, a lot of times we just think, well, everything's okay. But I began to realize that it's impossible uh, to grow uh, into the image of uh, Jesus unless we're regularly examining, uh, examining ourselves. Okay. Um, and not only examining ourselves, but repenting. In other words, uh, saying, I don't want to be like that. Lord, show me what I can do to transform that. So, in other words, it, it is the process of sanctification, but it's a process that you don't put on automatic pilot. In other words, I've, I believe what it's meant to be is training. We're disciples. We're learning. We're learning okay. to be like Christ. And so I've really always been drawn to the scripture that says to know him, uh, And to be conformed in his image, uh, to know the fellowship of his suffering. And it's been hard to do, but this seems to be a process. And um, the
1: stewardship coaching. The stewardship
0: coaching and uh, the systems that Dallas Willard set up, which I began uh, to try to do. And what it is, it's a recognition that we're comprised of emotion and intellect and spirit and and soul and body and that uh, all of those things uh, really need to be brought under the influence of the holy spirit you know we can say oh that's just me well right. it's not supposed to be just you the transforming power of the holy spirit uh, can begin to conform you to the image of jesus christ once again if you become in the process of becoming aware of things so and,
1: where does guilt enter into
0: that well I don't think guilt should enter into it I, I don't think that tra- change should be brought about by guilt I think once again as you know one of my favorite expressions is we're changed uh, by the expulsive power of a new affection, Chalmers Right. and so where does that expulsive power come from and I think ha- what it comes from is removing from our life uh, the impediments uh, that uh, don't allow the love of God to continue to flow in us and flow out to other people. So what it is, it just seems to me that if you're really serious about being conformed to the image of Christ, then you engage in this process of self-examination.
1: And uh, the, the Dowswell World or in, and the Sabbath economics has helped you see some of those impediments, or is it
0: in an incredible way, because if you remember, one of the things that we talked about was the desert experience of the children of Israel. What that experience was, it was they were on their way to the promised land, and what they were fighting uh, were idols, they were fighting a lack of trust, a lack of confidence, so the whole experience was God trying to teach them through the different experiences of of manna uh you know to say i'll take care of you teaching them the principles of the sabbath and what that meant is that you don't have to work seven days a week you know i can meet all your needs according to my riches and glory so there was this constant battle they were out, came out of captivity uh there was that constant temptation to go back into bondage And it really kind of describes our lives. In other words, if you're free and set free in Christ, you're free indeed. But we continue uh, to do things, so to speak, that we become uh, in bondage to.
1: Is there even an example of that? Uh,
0: Well, in other words, if you look look at the the way we become attached to things, we, we, addiction... You know, we talk and we think in terms of drugs and so on, but you can become addicted to money, you can become addicted to power, you can become addicted to control. There's all kinds of ways that you can become addicted. And in reality, what addiction does is is it makes you attached to something uh, where it robs the energy uh, that God has given you to fulfill the deepest desires of your heart, and you settle for something less. So there's this constant battle going on of attaching our affections. In other words, I've heard stewardship described as the ordering of our affections. You know, what do you love? What What is it that you actually need? And so I see Willard's process as a process of exposing those things, of bringing them out of the dark, and in, in so doing, allowing us, so to speak, to take some corrective action uh, to, uh, to transfer our affection, to transfer. what The thing that you did in the Sabbath economics uh, is Willard had one process, but what this was looking at, this is we're looking at where faith intersects our resources or our money.
1: So swore
0: More focus, that's right. And so what it was talking about, it was dealing with surplus capital, you know, what we do with our extra money, the work and Sabbath, the way we allocate our time, uh, how do we identify with the poor, uh, how we use our money, what type of consumption patterns do we have. And then one of the other things that we don't think a lot about, how do we relate to God's creation? In other words, are we in harmony? Are we in rhythm with God's creation? Do we see it as a gift? Do we look at it as something that we have been given to take care of, not to dominate the way we think about it? In other words, and it's one of these things that is of utmost importance in the idea that we are stewards. You know, we're not supposed to be owners. Right. And so, one of the things that we get attached to is is that we act like we're owners.
1: Well, it's so hard to, especially as tumultuous as the world is today. To to not try to hoard everything you can for well, your safety
0: because we're fearful. Yeah. Okay. And perfect love drives out fear. So, what you're attempting yeah. to do with this process? are to get these things out of there that block us experiencing God's love and concern and building the confidence that we can rely on him and then accordingly allow that love to flow out of us. You know, we've always talked about the idea that uh always be prepared to tell people of the hope that it, why don't more people why don't more people ask us? Right. Now I want people saying what What is this? Why do you live like you live? And I'm not a, a real good example of that now. But through this process, I think I'm on my way. I really, truly believe uh, that not the, the the action of God, the grace of God in me, has given me both the desire and will give me the power to continue this process of transformation.
1: So has it been hard? Have you found it difficult? or
0: Yeah. Because it's kind of the type of person I am. And this is the amazing thing about this. Uh, There's thinkers, there's feelers, and there's doers. Uh, I'm 99.2% thinker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you're very good at it.
0: Well, no, I don't know about that. Uh, But the Lord is allowing me to feel a little more. You know, he's kind of awakening my feeler. And the interesting thing about it is, is since we've been working and you've been helping me with this process of stewardship coaching, uh, I've begun to try to do some of these things. And, uh, you know, we were talking and reading about the idea that what happens is, as long as things go wrong in your mind, they kind of stay there. But when you try to do something, you learn something in the doing, the failing, the succeeding, and that information comes back and it kind of clarifies your thoughts. In other words, when, you're, when your thinking comes in touch with reality, a lot of times it's either validated or invalidated. Right. But the information that comes from that you know, can make you think a lot more deeply, a lot more clearly, and if you would, more in line with God's way. And so I'm, th- I'm thankful for this. It's been painful.
1: Has it been painful because it's so hard to do the, these things or just painful because you're having to let go of some things look at the world differently?
0: It's painful, first of all, to see some of my failings and cracks and holes and you know, how many things that really kind of, in a sense, are idols in my life and, and that I'm addicted to. Okay. I, at times, I'd rather not look at that. You know, I'd rather turn away. Uh, But the other part of it is, is is that when you find out uh, that you're going to have to do something, I mean, like some of the things that, and you know they're kind of silly, but some of the things that you've led me to do, um, I started planting tomatoes, you know, (laughs) in in regard to God's creation. Because I, I, I began to realize that since I lived so much in my head, that I wasn't in tune with, God's creation and I, I want to do that uh, in regards to the Sabbath um, I've tried to uh, begin to observe that and not what the things I don't do but to set my heart and mind to pursue God at least uh, pretty aggressively on uh, one day a week I've looked at the way I uh, do my investments I've begun to uh, realize that uh You know, there's ways that you can invest that can help other people, that can create community. Uh, And, you know, the the parable of the unjust steward, when it talks about how he made friends with the money, and the Lord uh, complimented him. Well, when you really begin to realize that one of the things that he said was that when this wealth, this mammon, Fails you you have a place an everlasting place in eternity uh, and you probably have friends too so you know I'm kind of reevaluating well what am my what are my objectives in investing is it to create community is it uh, to allow god's resources to flow am I acting like a steward or am I acting like an owner and one of the things about you know, God owning it all and the cattle on a thousand hills and all those things, uh, it becomes God's responsibility. You know, we're always talking, you're saying you're responsible for taking care of your family. I said, no, you're not. God is.
1: Well, this is about you. It's not about me. I know.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, that, yeah. that's really the reality of it. When, when you say that in your heart and you say God owns it all, well, you're a steward. He's the owner. You know, all you've got to do is be faithful, and he'll take care of it.
1: But do we have a responsibility to steward, manage the money in a responsible way to generate return to provide for our families, like you said?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that we talked about, you know, in a sense, it's artificial, but there's, there's kind of two kingdoms, and the kingdoms have different rules and so on. So in our life, the way we live, since we have to live in that kind of other kingdom, you need to kind of know the rules of that kingdom, and you need to be faithful in executing those rules. The thing about it is, though, that I think ultimately uh, that God wants us to begin to see things in terms of it's, it's all his kingdom, or one day all things will be caught up in Christ. In other words, so that's the idea when we come to it, when we say, uh, I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. That's perfect worship. Well, I begin to realize my body is all the stuff. It's food. It's what I do with my money. It's my budget. It's the way I invest. I'm giving that to God. I'm transferring my kingdom into his kingdom. And so it takes on a different tone it, it has a different
1: and the way that the stewardship coaching gives you some physical things it's not just mental it's physical you're not they're not well, once, big things they're not No.
0: once you see you know where your uh, idols are your addictions then you try to take corrective action and, and in a feeble fumbling way but I think God honors that I hope so No, I really do. I can already, in a sense, uh, feel a little freer because I know that he's directing this process through you. And what I'm beginning to understand is, you know, that the fallacy sometimes of the way people plan, okay, planning usually is done with most of the methods and the ways of the world, We come to planning with all our addictions and idols, and and so what we do is we bake that into the planning process. What we've talked about is, what if you did planning when you did this process of stewardship economics and looking at these things, looking at your heart, and coming more in a way that this process is holy and set apart unto the law, Uh, unto the Lord and so what happens you're planning from an eternal perspective not a limited perspective of how do I make myself secure you know what am I going to do in retirement the light that can come from this process may make you look at retirement like that is not may not even be in the cards and I'm not meant to spend my life collecting seashells and playing golf that I'm meant to, to be a disciple. So anyway, it's had a it's had a
1: profound effect. Oh good. Well I'm I'm <laughs> I'm excited to be walking along this with you. I I you kinda could tell we don't have a real clue what we're doing, but we're hopefully walking in a way that um is is pleasing to God and and is uh you know, the the proper way that we should steward our resources. Come join us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I thank you for listening, and if you have something you'd like for us to discuss, you know, please send me an email. You can find that on the website. And uh, and until next time, again, thank you for uh, taking the time.
0: Thank you for listening to another Stewardship Matters podcast of William F. Robertson & Associates. To pursue this discussion further, please look to the resources on our website, www.wfrplanning.com. Our contact information can be found on the website, and we would love to hear from you. Securities offered through Genio's Wealth Management Incorporated, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory service offered through Genio's Wealth Management Incorporated.